Warning, this episode contains adult language and adult humor. Since when have trumpet players ever been considered adults? If you are easily offended by these types of conversations, consider switching to the oboe. Welcome to the Trumpet Guru's Hang Podcast. I'm your host, Jose Johnson. My guest for this episode is Adam Rappa. Adam is an internationally acclaimed soloist and clinician who has demonstrated an amazing command of the horn. High chops, legit chops, jazz chops, he's got it all. But it's his passion for absorbing the musical language from various cultures that gives his playing a unique voice. Adam is an insightful teacher, a cutting-edge designer of instruments, and a bit like Yoda, but much taller and with a better complexion. So pour yourself a big glass, pull up a chair, and let the hang begin. All right, welcome to this episode of the Trumpet Gurus Hang. I am your host, Jose Johnson, and I am joined today by the one and only world-famous, wonderfully handsome, talented, (laughs) and a little bit goofy, (laughs) Mr. Adam Rappa. Adam, what's up, bud? Hey, man, it's good to see you. It's been a while. It's been too long, absolutely too long. I mean, uh, not even with this, this whole coronavirus uh, bullshit that we're going through right now, but just in general, man, it's just uh, you know you're where are you at now? You're in Vienna? Uh, no, I live in in the Hague in the Netherlands. In the Netherlands, okay. So uh, yeah, you're you're like a Mr. European, Mr. Continental, all that good stuff. Well, yeah. After the the crash of '08, when most of my work went to shit in the states, you know, it was at that point. From that point on, that you know, all sights were set on uh, on coming over here, and uh, I'm glad I made the move. Really? Yeah. That's awesome. The only thing is it, it takes, I don't get to come back all that much, you know, so, uh, or if I do, it's really um, just target specific, you know, got to go to New Orleans, got to go to New York and, and can't just like make the rounds and jump on a bunch of planes and see a bunch of people, yourself included, uh, as yeah. much as I'd like. Yeah. You still have family over here? Yeah. In Boston. Okay. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, and chosen family all over. You know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, uh, what's what's life like over there? Uh, a lot more regular than I was expecting. <clears throat> they're um, they're talking about you know keeping keeping a meter and a half distance, you know, like five feet uh, up distance <laughs> between people, but that's not happening. Um, yeah. You know, most most things are open uh, except for restaurants. They're just open for takeaway or, or delivery, uh, but things are are. Kind of feeling mighty normal over here, and you know, before the uh, the whole zombie apocalypse thing started, I was already not doing very many gigs. I was mostly concentrating my my attention on uh, on Lotus things, and uh, and actually putting together a an educational website, which fuck, I really wish I'd finished it in time for for said zombie apocalypse, but uh, still a work in progress. Um, so. I've been home a lot anyway, you know, with the exception of some um, surgical travel here and there. I-, I was mostly at home anyway, so it feels really quite normal for me. It's the uh, the, the 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 changing times are really just reflected in in uh, what I'm what I'm getting from you know from other people talking about how their lives have been different and in some cases you know supply chains have been have been affected you know some you know the the timeline of of things that we were hoping to accomplish with lotus for instance uh is getting pushed back by a bit you know a month or two or whatever but um otherwise you know pretty cool and 
it, you know, I, I couldn't be shut in my house with a with a better partner. Me and Angelica are just like just har- straight up harmonious. So that makes a really big difference. I've talked to some friends who are basically engaging in non conversational vibes with their with their, with their family members yeah, or flatmates yeah, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, that's I all good. You. How about you? I hear you? Oh man, you know, I'm I'm surviving. You know, I, I am a survivor. So. Uh, yeah, I, I guess because I, I have those strong introvert tendencies, being shut in doesn't particularly bother me that much. Totally. Um, you know, but there's always an adjustment. You know, there's a level of adjustment that goes on. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but you know, you just do what you got to do, man. You know, there's there's no other option. So, yes. uh, but today, uh, normally on a hang, I'm usually drinking some beverage of uh, the alcoholic persuasion, as in any hang. But today, in honor of you, I am having green tea. <laughs> nice. And, and of course, you know, because of the dichotomy that exists, I'm having this wonderful Zen-like green tea in my South Park Cartman's mug. So, you know, it, 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 it can't be just like all serious, you know, I got to be a little goofy. You know, it's all about the dichotomies. It's the hot and the cold that makes <clears throat> flexible people, great artists, the whole the whole thing. Yeah. Well, I remember the last big hang. Well, I, I guess it's the, technically, I guess it was the first time you and I really had a hang was down in Brazil. Yeah. At the, at the event down there. And that was by far one of the best times I ever had at any event, let alone trumpet event. This, it was just a, a great hang. Uh, you know, the music was great. You know, you and, and Bobby Shue was there and John Faddis and a bunch of people. I mean, it's like, whew, man, talk about a lot of talent. But um, I think the coolest part was like, you know, when you and I would just hang out and we would just start talking about life. And, um, you know, we immediately sort of formed this this bond because. Like, so oh, yeah, have, uh, I see you. Yeah, yeah. yeah I see you. Uh, so we kind of have this uh, uh, interesting approach to life and, and uh, it seems to work well for both of us. But, uh, you know, how, how uh, this, this is, I guess, the, the first question I wanted to ask you about is how do you view the relationship between your music and your worldview? Yeah, <clears throat> Um I wouldn't say that they've integrated, that I've managed to integrate them as, as much as, as I feel the potential for their integration, you know, <clears throat> in, in that, I guess, you know, um, there's, there hasn't been any, I haven't touched on social activism or, or, or any, any things there where I know that music is, is an obvious door into, into things uh, in that direction. Um, you know, not, not in the way that, and uh, Nicholas Payton might be talking about, or, or Ashlyn Parker, you know, some 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 other cats who who really make it a point to uh, to to talk about, or you know, like Charlie Hayden or whatever, you know, not just to focus on trumpet players. Um, in that way, they haven't really integrated yet. But but I would say that that definitely um, my my music is and the music that I that I. Uh, gravitate towards and what I like to play it's very much an integration with with um, with what's going on in my life like I when I when I had the opportunity to to uh, to study with a flamenco guitarist then I was shedding a lot of flamenco and that influ- that pushed my 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 influence or my my um, inspiration in a direction then when I started traveling to India then I started really shedding Indian music more than I had uh, for a lot of years prior and uh, you know it, I'd say one one way that they that they meld is is very much that wh- wherever I travel if there's some kind of folkloric music or master that I can that I can learn from then I do that I'll, I'll seek I'll seek them out when I was in Brazil 
well. I bought a bandero, you know, and and uh, there's no shortage of Brazilian music educational outlets out there, whatever. But um, but you know, I really try to immerse and uh, and and figure out what aspect of that culture r- really resonates with me and figure out um how how I can how I can get those things to fit together so so um part of it has to do with you know where I travel and and being influenced by the instead of just bringing my show on the road I really try to show up you know with with open ears and eyes and arms and and just figure out what what uh, what I can learn from them and uh, and usually it's always in the in the more folkloric avenue because it seems like around the in the rest of the world the grass is greener on on our side, on the American side, and everybody wants to play funk and jazz, like straight ahead or whatever. And you know, for me, it's like, uh, all right, it's cool. You're, you're doing a good job, but you know, I, considering who I grew up playing with, like, all right, good, keep trying. You know, it's like, but show me what you're really into. You know, show me what what you guys sing at the dinner table. Like, what's what's going on? You know, and uh, and learning. So so that's one way that uh, yeah. that they come together. Yeah, I mean, because music is just another form of communication, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's a language in and of itself. And, you know, the the folklore, whether it be through the music or through story, uh, helps you to understand the culture, the culture helps you to understand the people. Absolutely. And, yeah, it, that's, I think that's one of the areas that you and I like really resonated on is, is uh, that we have this desire to see life for more than what it is that, you know, the, to experience more than what we have uh, believed to be true. And it's only through stretching your uh, boundaries by visiting different places, talking to different people, experiencing different things that you start to grab a, uh, a bigger picture of, uh, of life. So yeah, that, yeah. That, and yeah, one of the things I, uh, I love that I saw a video that, that you were doing about, uh, like using the Superman posture. Well, when you play and uh, I just actually got done reading a book uh, called The Alter Ego Effect. And it's about, uh, you know, creating this persona to help you to deal with, you know, stress or anxiety or to to become your better self. Mm -hmm. And I am Sasha uh, Fierce. Yes, you are Sasha Fierce. Yeah, exactly. But it's the, you know, how there's a level of physiology, uh, like he talks about like totems or relics or things that you can use to activate that alter ego. But uh, a lot of it, like the physiology affects the psychology and with music being both a, a physical action and a, a mental, emotional, spiritual uh, expression, uh, you know, the physiology helps. So, like, what what prompted you to use that that Superman concept? Is there, like, a, a point where that came to you? Well, uh, um, the description has changed over the years, you know, like, I, and I don't know exactly when that when that one particularly popped into my head, but but it's um, it's a kind of a, a useful and, and, and in, in my mind, like an obvious analogy, because what, you know, you always see superheroes like, you know, ready to pounce, ready to, you know, and, um, but, but uh, really, it, it stems back to, I mean, I was seven years old, when I had my first lesson in martial arts, I started out with Tung Soo Do. Um, and, and, you know, we were, you know, you're, you're, you're taught proper posture as part of the technique of throwing punches and kicks, you know, and then I was 14 when I first joined drum corps. And and same thing, you know, marching technique addresses posture. So the postural uh, consideration has always been very much in in the in the front of my mind. And uh, you know, whether it was somebody screaming at me to keep, the, you know, like in drum corps, like ah, shoulders back, ah, you know, or um, or it was just you know, in, in a more uh, low key way, it's it's always it's always been a, a a thought. And and I guess I was just searching for a way to explain. 
It was probably when I was talking to uh, like either my nephew or, or some other kid, like Natalie Dungey when she was little or, or whatever. It was probably in one of those moments where I wanted to make it sort of a, a, a more whimsical analogy. It's like, you know, be the superhero version of yourself, you know, and, and try to do exactly what you were talking about, like turn them on to the, the idea that now when I, when I assume this posture, I'm assuming uh, a personality uh, shift that also involves more confidence, um, that involves the expectation that things are going to come easier to me. Um, yeah, it's so it, it's always been a part of of my world, whether it was drum corps or martial arts or, or in yoga or whatever. Um, and just putting it to words has felt or putting it to these particular descriptions that I'm choosing now seems to be really helpful for people. Um, and, you know, just a couple of follow up little descriptions um, are, you know, are, are helpful. But even just saying stand like a superhero and automatically people kind of know what that instinctively right. what that feels like, what that is. Yeah, it's like, you know, so, so much of the uh, technical jargon that we've developed over the years. Uh, yeah, they're just basic ways of people trying to explain what they're doing. And half the time it doesn't make any sense to anyone other than the person that, that's yeah. explaining it. You know, it's like, well, breathe from your belly or do this or do that, you know. But when you say something like that, like superhero, that's that's such uh, an, an image that's ingrained so deeply in our conscious mm -hmm. that you don't even need to try to, you know, imagine, well, what was a superhero stand like? It mm -hmm. just, it's there, so... And it's and what I like about that description is that it it addresses the physical thing, the posture. It addresses sort of a a, a mental state, you know, like an an, an expectation or aspiration toward greatness, um, and also uh, it speaks to. Uh, kind of a, a level of humanity as well, you know, unless we're talking about like Watchmen characters, but, you know, super, general superheroes yeah. where, you know, there's, there's a, there's a, a vibe of, of selflessness or, or, or sacrifice or, or, you know, just a general willingness to do good in general, you know, which, um, which is, is another way that, that music and life kind of find themselves um, intrinsically linked for me is, is, you know, where I'm not, I'm not out there just trying to like shake my dick at people, you know, I'm really trying to like open my heart, be, be, um, be vulnerable and uh, and and really share something honest and make them feel something, you know, that they walk away better from having experienced. You know, just a, a moment of of uh, you know that that can only really come when it's not about me trying to uh, to to present myself as a dominant figure it, in that moment. You know, an alpha figure. I'm really just trying to like. Uh, turn people on to the idea that we could all achieve something on this level and, and, you know, and try to get them, you know, at least into the idea of maybe checking me out and, and following a little bit more about wh what I'm all about and what I'm, how my teaching usually goes so that they can, you know, see what it takes to, to get to that level of, of either physical uh, training or, or, you know, that kind of mental, approach where, you know, I know there, there are guys like Keith Jarrett who, who love to, or, you know, Herbie Hancock who, who each have their different routines, but they, it's, they each enter into kind of a meditative state for like an, an hour or 45 minutes or whatever before a gig. And I don't usually have that kind of, I, just, I can't do that, you know, like right. normally circumstances don't allow for that kind of thing. So I need to be like on all the time. I feel like I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready to go. Um, and, uh, and I, I, I like for, for people to sort of see that, that, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm casual before the gig. I'm walking around, you know, Hey, what's up? You know, how you do? Yeah, cool. Or, you know, engaging in whatever, 
whatever. Um, and, and that, and then I can just walk right on stage, be the same person and not have to, you know, make a major shift and, and, and go through some long ritual to, to prepare myself for greatness, you know, that, that it's, it's just kind of a, it's, it's, it's always on, you know? Yeah. You know, it's, it's kind of interesting because I was, uh, uh, years ago, I was taking uh, lessons from uh, Vaughn Nark. You know, Vaughn was with uh, Airman and Note for a gazillion years. And my first lesson with him, it was kind of sneaky, actually, what he did, that bastard. Uh, yeah, he's like, oh, man, yeah, uh, go downstairs and warm up. I'm going to uh, pour myself a cup of coffee. Mm-hmm. So I go downstairs and I go through my warm-up routine. And I'm there for, I don't know, 10 minutes, 15 minutes or whatever. And, and he comes downstairs after that period and he goes... Uh, well, you know, uh, I really wasn't pouring coffee. I just wanted to hear your warm up and I wanted to hear how you approach the horn. And I know why you're having the problems you're having. Here's what they are. And so we talked about the warm up and he was talking about the warm up and saying so many players use the warm up more as a psychological crutch than actually a physical warm up and and it's the you know hey if i don't get my 45 minutes or my hour or hour and a half then i can't play um and uh you know also the thing like you know most guys leave their best playing in the practice room you know uh so he was saying you know no you you know if you're if you're playing every day you're basically warmed up you know you may do need to do a few little things just to get things moving but in general you should just be able to pick up the horn and 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 let it let it fly totally Totally. And that, that, uh, oh, continue. Oh, no, but but I was going to say, but that ties in then also because I I would tell my martial arts students when, you know, I was teaching, it's like, you know, if you're training to, uh, for self-defense, you know, granted, yeah, if we're in class, you want to warm up as best as you can because, you know, we're going to train really hard. But here's the, the truth of the matter is. Yeah, if you can't throw a good kick or good punch without a warm up, then this is not going to help you. Yeah. If you're in a self-defense situation, because you can't say, hey, don't attack yet. I need my 25 minutes to to do my stretches and things like that. So you have to be able to switch yourself on and off and get into that peak state immediately. Absolutely. And that has to do with um, I think it, it, it draws attention to the well, it, it raises the question, what is your normal state? What is your normal resting state? You know, are you are you at a at a, a level of physical or mental stress, tension, anxiety, whatever that 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 creates the need for a shift before you're ready to bring your A game, or are you kind of doing what's what's necessary throughout your life to to develop a stronger kind of resting state where you're you're kind of already in your A game? You know, I'm, I'm the the you know it's 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 one of those things where where I always expect. High, the highest level of performance from myself, not just on stage, but but in the in the way that I um, engage with with everyone in every conversation that I have. So it feels like there's very little difference between you know game time and you know and all and and the prep to, and the rest of my time. You know, there's you know I'm I'm sort of living in that in that state. You know, and and yeah. That. Yeah. Do, do you have any goal go to tools to uh, help you reset yourself when you invariably go off the track a little bit. I mean, because we all do that. It depends on which type of off the track it is, you know, I mean, and, and, and how bad it is, you know, there are, there are certain, you know, every once in a while I have a conversation uh, where, you know, there's, there are some really disappointing things being, being discussed. It's like, you know, and, and just one frustration on top of another, on top of another. And, and really, you know, it's, 
And I just have to walk away from that and clear my head in, in whatever way works best in that moment under those circumstances it may be that i just get to you know just playing a little trumpet is what releases me it might be that going and grabbing my kittens and shoving them in my face is is what does it it might just be you know that really the best thing to do in this moment is pack a fucking bowl you know like it's whatever you know it it's uh, or to go take a shower like there there's a wide range of of um of page turns available um and not every page turn works for every situation but you know i mean i guess i'm i'm an expert of being stressed out and 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 uh, and having anxieties thrown at me left and right so it's you know at this point i kind of have myself figured out well enough to know um how to avoid as best i can you know they're they're the inevitable um stresses that come up but but i I, i'm pretty good at at um making it so that they they don't come as strongly now as they used to you know and uh, and then if i do manage to get into a state where that's that's not very healthy or productive then uh, then now at this point i i kind of can sense what what the right what the right action to take would be and and sometimes i don't even need to do or think or say anything angelica just sees that i'm you know like you know at reaching i'm in like 211 degrees and she'll just come over and you know massage my head and 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 then I'm I'm done you know so it's it's a it's pretty wide bag you know yeah yeah well you know and that's cool because I think uh yeah you can't you can't have a one-size-fits-all approach to anything right and uh I mean it's kind of like you know with jazz you know if you've only got one lick then you know you're going to be in trouble you know so it's it's being being able to be versatile so um you know, like with, with jazz, uh, that's one of the things that I've always enjoyed about your playing is um, there's a level of consistency in your playing because that's your personality coming through. But there's also this uh, very interesting level of uh, the creativity that comes out just shows the the multiple facets of your personality. And I don't mean that in a civil kind of way, but, uh, but you know, it's like there's some players that are great lyrical players, maybe not so great when it comes to like super aggressive playing, you know, like, you know, heavy, like in your face, kind of uh, like funk or, you know, uh, sort of things or, or, you know, vice versa. But you seem to be able to traverse this, uh, wide array of styles and they they come out not from a force perspective but just it's like listening to you talk you know so it's very natural and very expressive so you know did you ever uh, do you have like a moment where you can go back and go yeah this is where it all sort of started to come together for me um not necessarily so there were there were some checkpoints you know some milestones where where i i was focusing specifically on different types of playing and raised them to that um to a higher level but <clears throat> if um if we're going to kind of zoom out and and deal with it on a more macro level i think we'll event if as long as we do the the work necessary to follow through and and really educate ourselves uh to be able to reach the potential of our innate you know sort of aptitude or or you know whatever the um assuming that you just you do the work you put the time in um then really what we're talking about is is personality and you know there are people who have very kind of not one dimensional personalities per se but somebody who's who's you know really kind of even keeled um either you know they're always chill or they're always a little hyper or or they're always a little lackadaisical or, or whatever and and in that way i guess i'm i'm you know, there's a lot more diversity to, you know, I, I was, you know, raised by my mom. So I've got uh, and, and I was also her sounding board. So I I guess I really 
connect with femininity more than 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 and i didn't play sports you know so drum corps was my only like uh, uh kind of aggressive sort of right. culture you know male bonding kind of thing and even then you know like i it wasn't i wasn't we weren't super macho about it or anything you know um, so I, I guess there's, there's a balance of masculinity and femininity. There's a, there's a, a balance of, of physicality, uh, versus, um, sort of a more, uh, mental thoughtful approach. You know, there, there's a, there's the balance between introverted and extroverted. And I, and I oscillate between the two. Um, you know, there, there are a lot of, there are a lot of, like we said in the beginning, there are a lot of dichotomies that are present in me. And I think that that helps, that helps set the stage for, for me to feel, um, harmonious with a with a lot of different vibes, um, <clears throat> you know, and 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 uh, and also I grew up in a in a cultural melting pot. You know, my my first best friend when I was three years old and I was in preschool was an Indian girl. Then my next best friend, uh, Chibuzo, was. Um, Oh God! What I think he was from Botswana. I can't remember which. It was so long ago. I can't remember which African country he was from. But but um, he wasn't even born in the states. Like he was, you know. So so those like my first two two best friends, you know, spoke English with an accent, you know, and and had uh, and and then it just moved on from there. Where where I I, I grew up around. Uh, people that were really from all over the place, you know, Portuguese people um, and and Italians and 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 uh, and whose family only spoke, say, you know, Portuguese or Italian to them at the um, at the dinner, you know, at home. Um, I was, you know, the only white guy in the in the Latin band. The, sometimes the only white guy in the all black, either big band or 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 R and B group or, or whatever it was. You know, I I, right. I really feel like um, my whole life I've been shape shifting. Uh, not 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 in that. It's not none of those things are honest. They all feel honest to me. They all feel like aspects of of myself, facets of myself that all exist. And I just choose to to focus on on whichever one is needed at the time to, you know, to resonate the most harmoniously with with a with a group. You know, I'm not even Christian, but we, you know, we we prayed before and after every rehearsal with the with this killing big band that, you know, was full of Berkeley all stars basically back in the day. And uh, and I felt perfectly at home in that situation. And perfectly at home playing, you know, modern gospel on, you know, in, in, in you know, killing uh, church on on Easter or whatever, you know, those things. And and then I can feel equally at home chanting Nam Yoho Renge Kyo, you know, and or or you know, or talking about how, uh, you know, or, or engaging in a conversation with somebody about how religion really needs to go, you know, for for, for humanity to move forward. You know, the, there's, the, you know, it's like, and 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 it's uh, it seems strange that the, all of those different aspects can can uh, that I can resonate with all of them and uh, and I think that that speaks to why the music is so divert why why um, I I feel so um, uh, so much affinity to being a really strong technician on the horn and extremely expressive in a lyrical way and I can you know I can pipe it and you know play some fuck you um, and I can you know just as easily as I can as I can tell you I love you through the you know so there's it's all and and then mix that with my cultural upbringing being so diverse and my travels being so diverse after that sprinkle in you know a, you know 20 some odd uh, folkloric styles and and uh, and then it just turns into like again a really big bag yeah well i you know and that's that's so cool because yeah and there's there's nothing wrong 
well, I guess you could say there's some things that are wrong, but uh, in general, you know, the, the way that in, any of us chooses to live our lives, as long as we're not hurting anybody, you know, hey, it's all cool. But I think that there um, there's something to be said for uh, putting yourself out there and increasing your experiences we were talking about before, you know, uh, learning about new cultures, learning about new music, uh, learn, uh, experimenting with different art forms, uh, with different modes of communication, uh, because you know, it's, it's like the old, uh, it's Hindu, Buddhist, uh, people attribute to Rumi, uh, the, the story about the, the blind men and the elephant, you know, um, yeah, for those of you who don't know that story, there are, you know, five blind men who an elephant is brought into the room and they're asked to describe the elephant. They don't know what an elephant looks like since they're blind. Uh, and each of them's touching a different part. And, you know, one touched the tusk and says it's sharp and pointy. Another touches the tail, blah, blah, blah. So each of them give a description of what the elephant's like. And it's right in a way. But it's wrong because it's well, not relative to their to their experience. Right. Yeah. So, you know, when you expand your experience, the more you start to see things, the more you start to experience things, then uh, the easier it is for you to uh, tap into what is real, what's true. Uh, the Chinese would say the Tao. Uh, so, um, you know, when you, you said that your background, your, your upbringing helped to, to spark that off. Uh, but is there like one culture that you find yourself more drawn to in terms of uh philosophy or uh you know way of life no you know there's that's that's the thing is i i am i'm often asked do i have a favorite this or that and and this sort this question sort of relates to that it's a, a favorite <clears throat> approach to philosophy and uh and i don't you know there's um i i read a lot of buddhist philosophy and uh and resonated quite a bit with it um only when it was, you know, on a more down-to-earth practical level, like uh, like Pema Chodron and you know, the, or, or uh, Thich Nhat Han, you know, books like When Things Fall Apart or Pieces in Every Step, you know, right. when it's just talking about just just really down-to-earth at practical application of you know the of the religious philosophy. Um, and and at the same time, I love getting my uh, my email every Monday from from Mark uh, Manson, the 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 guy that wrote. Um, uh, what's the um, the two books? The, uh, one, the second one is "Everything Is Fucked." Oh yeah, yeah, book. yeah. What's the fir- the first one? Uh, uh, what's the name of the first uh, book? I can't uh, remember the name of it. Um, it's God. Oh, it's gonna kill me. It's I'll, I'll come. You know, I'll, I'll just burst it out later on. You know, I'll shout it out. Um, but you know, it's also a very. He's a he's 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 a great philosophical writer and talk about down to earth. You know, it's like laden with profanity and 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 a whole bunch of of really simple truths. And uh, and and it's it, it. There's no. I guess all right. If I were to to say that I identify with with anything in particular, it's that it's the mixture. Like I I was my my mom was agnostic. Acknowledged that there's got to be you know there's got to be something you know there's got to be some reason why we have such capacity for love uh, and altruism and all that. And and acknowledge that there's probably something. And acknowledge that just like cats don't know what the fuck they're looking at when they look in a mirror, neither do we know what the fuck is going on. You know who's pulling the string, what's pulling the strings, or you know what this is all about. So in that way she raised me with a reverence for something for a, a greater force power whether you want to um 
humanize it or 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 not um and at the same time uh didn't lock me into any particular doctrine so i was free to you know to accept or reject based on what seemed to what either resonated or seemed to make sense to me um so i i guess what i resonate with the most is uh is a philosophical approach a uh, philosophical perspective that doesn't involve the all of the cultural attachments and the fables and the and the story you know the the things that that are there that that are really just a, a cultural uh, veneer on uh, that 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 um, that builds up over time um, on top of you know just just some simple truths you know I don't you know just I just want to deal with it on on the very practical level because at the same time although I may have a um, sort of an active spiritual perspective that's always that's ongoing at the same time i'm extremely no bullshit science based you know and and i don't and i would rather just be told or discuss the simple truth uh, or the, the 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 truth of the not truth i guess it's that's all subjective but the the point get to the point you know let's let's uh, i don't, I don't want to hear i don't want to have to read you know 500 pages of of uh, of storytelling that at the end makes me go oh they must have been talking about that you know i i would rather just deal with it right. on a on a meat and potatoes kind of level so um and and i and i uh, it's easier for me to say what i have uh, have a distaste for than than in that way than than what I have a taste for. It's more like you know don't don't tell me that the world needs to be is the way that it is because that's what it says in your particular uh, religion, which is again just kind of a, a cultural encrusting on top of what should just be some some practical you know. Uh, do this and don't do that. Why? Because doing this makes you a nice person and doing that really hurts people, you know, or doing, doing this will, you know, not eating shrimp and pig is a good idea here because it's really, you know, it's hot here and we don't have refrigerators, you know, instead of just saying, no, you're, you know, it is the way it is because that's what I read in this particular book. You know, I, I, I can resonate, I can get down with anybody in a conversation where, where we're really dealing with it on. Yeah. But you know, okay. Stories aside, how how do you handle a situation where X Y Z where you're you're being you're being your humanity is being tested your compassion is being tested and you know as as far as I'm concerned if if you can't respond to a situa- situation with with a with a natural instinct for or or at least uh, yeah either a natural instinct for compassion or altruism or that you know enough to to overcome your monkey uh, biology and and actually still act out of compassion and altruism if if you can't do those things then whatever whatever stories you were told and whatever stories you tell your children and you know you know they're not worth very much to me you know yeah so so it's it's easier yeah. to just say yeah, yeah. I, I i get it when if if we're able to talk practically and and uh that's that's about it yeah well i was actually i just uh recently did a webinar on um strategies for posting uh of uh transitioning from this uh covid quarantine world uh into you know what's going to come next you know people are calling it the new normal because you know things are you know first of all normal is a construct so (laughs) there is no such thing as normal there's comfortable and known but there's no normal um but as i was going through that you know it's explaining the idea that um yeah this is a time of stress and pressure and you know stress teaches you lessons 
you know, if you let it, you know, it's like, you know, use stress tests on, on metals to, or, you know, like you take a bridge, you want to do a stress test on it to make sure that it can support the weight. And if it can't you find the weaknesses, where's it going to break? And then you figure out a way to brace the weakness. So uh, I think times like this, you know, it really shows where you've got weaknesses or cracks in your personal belief structures, you know, yep. so all the, all of the people that are, you know, oh, we must love everybody and we want to take care of everybody and we want to see the world to be a safer, happy, healthier place. And then it's like, fuck you, I need to get my hair cut, open up, the, you know, open everything up. You know, it's like, OK, wow, that that's that's a shift. Uh, so it's shown that maybe that uh, there that veneer starts to crack, like you're you know, saying the veneer on top of things. So, um, you know, like with 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 playing like with with music being you know music just being an expression of who we are as the way we communicate um you know i think that stress when you're in a stressful situation it does go to show where you are strong in your beliefs and your techniques and, and your foundations and where you're weak um it's like when you're teaching because i know you do a lot of like master classes and and, and things like that you're you're avid in, in sharing uh, your knowledge and, and your insights. Um, you know, how do you approach, uh, you know, things like helping people to, to get past that, the veneer and get to the real truths of playing? Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yeah, there, there's, that's a really good question because I often equate uh, trumpet pedagogy to religion. And, you know, there are different religions that are that are um, either closer to the source and more pure or, you know, have become more telephone gamed into something bizarre. Case in point, the teaching of Arnold Jacobs, which has been dubbed the Chicago School, um, you know, got translated really shittily in other countries. And so you've got in other countries, what they're talking about is the Chicago School is just useless, completely, well, not useless, it's worse than useless. It's it's, it's like anti-productive, you know, bullshit um, that that in my humble opinion is uh, is is really, really hurtful to to people's, uh, you know, ability to progress. And and yet they pledge allegiance, you know, they 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 say they're, you know, pedagogical Hail Marys and they play these exercises every day and they uh, and, and they're expecting that the that the, the spirit of Arnold Jacobs or or. or um, you know, or whoever is is gonna gonna shine their 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 love down upon them for for simply you know signing up for you know b believing in 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 some bullet points that that were that may have been appropriate for somebody at a on a particular one particular person on one particular day, mm -hmm. you know, and are absolutely not one size fits all answers to to everybody's uh, needs. Um, I I often try to get people to break 
from their idea that first of all that there's one one right way to do anything there's there's you know consider your physiology consider your um how much time you want to play consider what kind of music you want to play what kind of jobs you're looking for and and uh you know and then consider secondary things like your your preference for how much resistance you like to feel in the horn or whatever how you like to interface with the instrument itself and then that starts to narrow things down to to what will work best for you um, you know, but instead of just saying things like, "Well, I'm, um, I, my, my teacher is a down, is an upstream player, so I, even though I, I, you know, played for my first 15 years playing downstream, now I'm, you know, learning how to play upstream because, you know, because he's my god now. You know, it's, it's, you know, ridiculous. So I, I, um, I try to, I try to just get people to acknowledge first of all there there's there's no there's no true there's no right or wrong there's only what ends up feeling more uh uh more quickly helpful for you and uh what what's you know usually things that that provide quick fixes often like you know moving the mouthpiece just a little bit slightly over and if your sound goes boom and it opens up then okay i guess then that's you know a, a lot of quick fixes are actually you know pretty helpful and you know angle the horn down just a little bit ah that cleaned up your you know okay cool well good we'll stick to that but but just those are things we have to search for those are things it's i, I wouldn't recommend that everybody across the world just all of a sudden angle their horn down a couple of inches relative to their nose or whatever you know as a as a rule of thumb that's something that you just have to work on individually. So that's um, um, that's a consideration. Uh, remind me the exact question because I want to make sure that I haven't veered off of the point too far. No, you're you're right on track. I mean, it's just the uh, and that's a hundred percent the way that I, I I've approached things, especially in my, my martial arts uh, teaching career. Uh, now I do a lot of uh, consulting as mind you know, for mindfulness and, and techniques like that. You know, everybody gets married to tradition you know and it's not really the tradition it's the dogma that surrounds the tradition exactly and i guess i should have used that word earlier to specify the thing you know the 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 aspect of a religion that that's just apart from the the simple basic truths of like treat people the way you want to be treated etc etc we can find a lot of commonality and where we do not find commonality is in those dogmatic bullet points that um that uh in the case of trumpet players i've seen i've seen so many people just get wrecked totally wrecked because of you know trying to adopt dogma that did not fit them that did not suit them uh and yet they they it's amazing and which is why i i I call i refer to to trumpet pedagogy oftentimes as religion is because you know there are so many people who are willing to put up with it for years you know i i there's so many students that i or people that i consult with um who who uh who say you know man i was playing i was playing high f's and g's when i was in high school and then i went to college and my professor you know dot 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 xyz you know and it's 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 i've you've heard that we've all heard that story a million times and yet what did they do did they go back and you know go back to how they were playing before no they just stayed the course thinking that maybe you know maybe i need to just you know whoopsh whoopsh for 10 years and then all of a sudden i'll get my shit back to where it was when i was 17 you know yeah yeah that was that was my story honestly that was my story and uh i was uh fortunate enough that uh well <laughs> uh after you know going from being able to play into the you know into the double and triple register uh, in high school uh not very well but at least you know i had the facility to do that uh, sound was was pretty bad but instead of uh, my teacher saying okay well let's let's 
you know, let's experiment with, you know, maybe open your throat a little bit or let's do this. So you have small adjustments. It was, okay, change your mouthpiece, change your horn, change your embouchure. And it was just wholesale change. And I went from, you know, having a, a fairly, you know, solid upper register to I couldn't play an, a G on top of the staff. I mean, I could not do that for two, two solid years. And one day in my lesson, uh, my prof said, um, apparently this isn't working. Let's go back to the way you always, you, you played before. Thanks, buddy. Yeah. And that's when I just said, basically, fuck you. And I, I, I left school because, you know, at that point, I just felt like, wow, you know, I'm looking to you to help me to become better. And, you know, you basically have said, you know, first, I know what to tell you to do. And then to be able to go, oh, I was wrong. And no, no apology, no remorse, just kind of like, yeah, okay. <laughs> it's, it's really, I, I mean, it, I, sometimes I've, I've seriously contemplated, you know, sort of had to really think, th think it through and, and weigh the, the pros and cons of, uh, of potentially um, of disastrous political ramifications of writing some letters to some professors who really fucked some people up who I came to, to, to meet afterward uh, or yeah. me I met before and afterward you know it's like I am almost I'm like 49% convinced right now that I should you know that I should actually write this professor and tell him that he needs to you know seriously consider you know, consider, you know, take this case study, for instance, you failed and, and your failure may be something that you can live with, but it's not really something that your student is having a very easy time living with it. You've really fucked up their world, you know, but I, at the same, I'm trying to, you know, be Mr. Nice Guy and just yeah. let things go. But really some people need to be called out. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, you know, and this is, this ties into something you and I were talking about, you know, before uh, cameras were rolling. Um, the importance of asking why, you know, the questions that we ask are so important. And I think that becomes a, a critical question uh, that, that everyone needs to, to ask is, you know, why are you doing this? You know, what's the end game? And that answer, the clearer you are on that answer is going to is going to give you all the answers that you need, all the approaches that you need. Yep. So, um, I mean, do you have like I, I know some people go through. Uh, an elaborate scripted questionnaire. Uh, some people like I'm, I tend to be a lot more intuitive on stuff and I just kind of listen to what people say and observe some things and throw some kind of pointed questions that are somewhat off topic, but just to get people to talk in a real way. Do you have any processes that you've uh, that you've used to, to kind of get below the surface when you're working with somebody to, to help them come to that true realization? I am. Um, yeah, it's a good question. I haven't been teaching private lessons in some years now. Um, it's I just can't can't make time for it. There's other things going on, and I just you know. Um, but when I was teaching lessons, especially through Skype, um, there was there I was just getting too many too many requests to be able to 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 approach uh, you know to to say yes to everybody. So the um, the the process of elimination for me was a questionnaire, and it was uh, it was all questions related to their goals. You know, what do you hope to accomplish? You know, some things like who are your favorite musician? You know, like blah blah blah, and then um, you know. What what uh, what kind of career are you looking to have? Because that's going to answer all sorts of questions. If if I don't know 
if I don't know that that uh, that Johnny is trying, to, it, it aspires to be the next principal trumpet in the Vienna Philharmonic, then then I don't know how to answer his question about, you know, I'm having a hard time with my upper register. Should I change mouthpieces? It's like, well, knowing that you want to be the, the next principal trumpet of the Vienna, Vienna Philharmonic. No, you need to stay on that Breslmeyer mouthpiece and you need to you need to figure it out some other way. There's no quick fix for you in this case, because the job that you want to do requires a certain, you know, certain few things to be in place, you know, requires equipment choices and, and right. things like that. So, you know, it's it's extremely important to know to what end, uh, you know, are, are we doing any of this? You know, what do you what do you hope to get out of it? You know, what's and, and so, yeah, it, it's it's not a very elaborate sort of questionnaire that I would go through with people. But but you got to you got to check a baseline uh, with them. And that and that's that's the first that's the thing that's the most important thing and then and then from there once i know um and kind of one of the reasons why i stopped teaching skype lessons in general is because once i know what's going on okay now i know in general there's a lot of stuff i gotta tell you you know (laughs) and then it just becomes kind of a groundhog day lesson you know um and and i would i would rather automate that really which and which is why i'm working on the the educational website um you know just so that when i actually do finally get to talk with people that it's we've already covered all the all the basics you know the, the things that, that pertain to um well anyway the gen all the general stuff and now we can talk really specifically about well what are what are the particular emotional responses that you're having to to things that are going wrong and what let's let's talk you know in that way i feel like i i would need to train to become a, a psychologist in order to do a better right. job you know to to improve my job as a teacher yeah you know? Because my understanding yeah. of the physics of the horn, it's it's basically it's done. Like I, I get it, you know, and I and I put it into practice, and I and I've and I've tried lots of different things, and I know which way works best for me. But I also know which way works best for him and for her and for you know, and uh, and so it's it's really the the level that I want to work with students on is uh, not even students, but just the way that I would like to consult with players is to figure out how to optimize their experience from an emotional perspective and a, and a, and a mental um, mental perspective that a, a lot of the times it, what holds people back or really propels them ahead isn't so much, you know, about aptitude or, 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 you know, or anything it's, it's real or how many hours they're playing or it's, there's no simple metric for that. The, the, the most common thing that I can, that I can use to gauge whether they're going to be successful or not is just what is their approach and how do they deal with failure, little failures too, like, a one cracked note or not being able to make it to the end of this movement of this concerto or whatever, you know, do you respond with, you know, or is it like, well, okay, you know, and, and that right there changes everything. So, so exactly. that, that's what I want to, you know, what I want to focus on for sure with, with people. Yeah. Cool. You know, and actually that, that's, uh, that, that leads me to another thing I wanted to bring up, uh, you know, you, you know, say, you know, you understand the technique and you understand how, you know, how the equipment works. And just, I know a few years ago, you, you became really adamant and, or, you know, excited and, and driven to producing, uh, you know, trumpets and mouthpieces. And um, I know that that's something that you got going on. So what was your, your motivation behind that? And, and what's basically, what's the end game? I mean, what what is it that you're looking to get out of it besides, you know, millions and millions of dollars which will never come uh that's not what i'm looking to get out of it um it's part of my pedagogy has always been look guys there's a from 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 where i'm at 
I can see, I, I can feel, and I can and I can demonstrate that there is an easy way to play the instrument. You know, there it does. It's there's there's no rule that that, that you have to suffer more to become a greater player. That that you have to uh, exert more energy to re- achieve greater results. You know, there's in a lot of people's case, the problem is absolutely working too hard. Um, just you know it. It's like banging your head into the wall over and over and over again when there's a door right next to you. And all you got to do is shift and there you are. You know? Yeah. Uh, and so the, um, the, the thing that I've, that I've been trying to, that I've always you know, been, been teaching is just like find the easy way. Find a, an easier way to, to try and do everything. Find the, find the easiest way, um, the, the, the shortest path for your tongue to articulate. So if you want to improve the speed of your tongue, you know, you know, then, you know, just look for always every little opportunity to optimize the, uh, the, the equation of how much energy you're putting in versus what you're getting out in return for it. And that inevitably leads us to the conversation that, well, there are, there are major flaws with equip with trumpets and mouthpieces uh, that are, that are quite famous in brand name, you know, that there are still things that are, that are flaws. Well, I mean, you could uh, cup being half empty. They're flaws. Cup being half full. They are traits. <laughs> we'll say, uh, and and one of those, one of those. But for me, it's definitely a fucking flaw. Because if it's something that I have to program extra complicated uh, muscle memory in order to work with, then you know, yeah, then that's a flaw. Um, it's it's like if if every. Um, every time you go into the upper register, um, the the instrument is flat, and you have to push those high notes up. Then you're not having an, as easy a time playing those notes as the notes in the middle register. And it's not because they're high notes; it's because you're fighting against a, 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 a sense of gravity uh, in those in those notes. If we had to, you know, and 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 so that's that's a thing and knowing that that there's this whole historical ec- explanation for why most mouthpieces uh have intonation that's compressed you know it just started out with a manufacturer cutting corners and other manufacturers being fucking copycats and just going with those same dimensions and and not questioning and not not trying to do anything to improve it um you know or not knowing how to improve it but still wanting to make mouthpieces nonetheless you know there there are for whatever reason, uh, there are a lot. Most companies out there are making mouthpieces that are geometrically imperfect. In that, the if you get a middle C in tune, the the harmonic series is compressed, and you have to push your high notes up and your low notes down, and um, and that that's a problem. That's a really big yeah. problem. And uh, and you know, I since I started playing on Monet mouthpieces, that got me turned on to, you know, aware of like, oh, okay, cool. I mean, I was already good. I, I already had, you know, solid double A's, double, you know, B's, whatever, when I was when I was a teenager, long before I was playing on Monet mouthpieces. But I worked way harder for them then than I was, than, you know, than eventually when right. once I, and getting on Monet mouthpieces was one of those things, one of those big light bulb goes off aha moments for me where it's like, oh, okay, so I really can orient myself to the to the the bottom end of every note and really and that's when I started to really fully understand that that every note 
instead of being instead of describing it as sort of a, a circular target where you know like a dartboard where hitting bullseye right. where the sweet spot of the note is a tiny little bullseye in the center you know which is kind of implied when we're talking about you know go aim for the center of the note hit the target you know we have visual uh, references to that which which are inappropriate um, but I, I came to understand that every note if we deal with it on a if we envision it on a, in a two-dimensional space it's like a triangle and the and the lower you get on the note the fatter more resonant the sound is and the higher you raise on your you know the pitch um the smaller you know the, the smaller the target is and the, and the, the less resonance you're going to experience um so or if if it were in a 3d model it would be like a cone or something you know? right and uh and so um knowing that and and being able to to get on a mouthpiece that allowed me to really get to the fat bottom of every note and no longer push the mouthpiece into my face and and do all the things you know all this the extra body tension that was necessary to compensate for for pushing those high you know and, and push the high notes up um once i came to understand that that none of that was actually inherent in playing high notes that that was actually due to mechanical uh you know uh, just failure you know that it was it was it was a it was a design problem that's what i want to say and uh and knowing that 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 wasn't necessary that i just had to have better equipment it's like okay cool so so the monet mouthpieces sorted me for a while and then i got on the trumpets and and realized you know actually i had an easier time in some ways before i started playing on these instruments you know there's some there's some stuff going on here with the geometry that that's that i'm not vibing with you know i i i want to play a trumpet you know not a not a, a bell front baritone you know and i'm looking right. for i'm looking for something you know with 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 um, a more moderate approach to bore and uh and and things so um and i was i was waiting for years years for uh for dave to 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 make me what i was asking for and i wasn't getting it you know and so uh coming back to your question that what was the impetus for for me to to want to get into um having my own company and designing my own stuff is just from the understanding that um from my perspective not one manufacturer yet has it all fi- has, has it figured out you know monet offers uh, mouthpieces that will play into that will have equal tempered octaves and all that um and but a lot of times his his geometry involves throat sizes that are too large for a lot of people or or something like you know they have, there's right. there are, there are elements that are that are that are perfect all over the place where whereas uh, they haven't all been combined and for instance his particular dogma is one that that favors larger dimensions you know larger throat sizes larger you know large receiver large 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 um and it's it's just kind of like being a, a tone junkie will will push you in that direction if you're always listening to how the horn sounds from half a football field away then you're going to be concerned with then you're going to prioritize the uh the the design elements that make it sound great from all the way back there and not really considering yeah, but what's it going to do for you on on the third or fourth hour of a of a gig that's kicking your ass, you know? Right. Uh, and and so so there's that where and and uh, okay. So the, another thing would be um, stable pitch center with the trumpets. Like the louder you play on almost every trumpet out there, the flatter the pitch goes, uh, and the and the softer you play, the more the pitch raises. And that's just another one of those. Uh, traits that uh that the trumpets have as as the result of of either their geometry or the way that they're built you know there there are a lot of a lot of reasons for it but um with monetti you know he's got uh tension adjustable tension valve caps to to dial it in but that's a pain in the balls that's you know that 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 takes 
time and and if the horn if you leave the horn sitting in an intermission you come right back to it you got to do it again because the temperature change messed everything up and you know so i i, I wanted uh, i wanted to get away from that for sure but i still wanted to have a trumpet that um that didn't cause uh, that didn't create the need for us to have to when we play louder also do things to raise the pitch and when we play softer also mm, careful bring the pitch down you know so when you when you consider what how different it is physically Playing a mezzo forte middle C versus playing a fortissimo high C, uh, you know, just the the fact that if you're on a, a most mouthpieces, the high C is going to be flat anyway. Uh, and then if you're playing that note louder, you know, then it's going to be doubly flat. And and all of a sudden, you know, like the amount of stress that you have to bring into your body, inward pressure and or other stresses in order to get the intonation to be there, uh, it's it's a Herculean task that every single trumpet player is is always doing every single day, whether they're conscious of it or not. And that sucks. Point blank, full stop, that sucks. So um, so I, I felt like it was necessary. If I wasn't getting what I was asking for from Dave, and I felt um, at some point just downright disrespected by, by, not, by, by, by him not even being willing to make me the things that I was asking for, make me the same mouthpiece with a, with a smaller throat. No, not willing to do that. Interesting. I could have sworn it was me who had to, you know, rock my, you know, <laughs> rock it on stage, and you know, and and uh, and it's my ass on the line. So why don't you uh, trust me? So uh, there was there was that. It was basically, you know, my my maker didn't have my back. Yeah. And so I, I I went and did what 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 needed to be done first and foremost for me, you know, to make sure that I had the gear that I was looking for. And then it, it became pretty obvious uh, early on through, you know, having other people play test the first prototypes and stuff. That other people were loving it, too. So it's like, OK, cool. Well, great. So it looks like we can uh, expand the party. And, uh, and actually turn it into uh, into a business and it's not a super profitable business or anything although we're we're um, it started small potatoes you know the handmade horns small small numbers of sales and and expensive horns because they're handmade and and uh, and and all that but we're we're preparing to kind of level up to leapfrog as they say in the in the in the business world and in, into a into just a larger company with a with a larger portion of the market share so we're we're working towards being able to do that but even still the uh the expansion it's it's never going to make me rich you know it's like that's that's the, the the least of my concerns i just want to make sure that we have enough muscle to to continue the r&d to constantly uh check to see you know okay so of course there are like bigger more macro things like what are what are the tapers what are the shapes that are going to that are going to give people an easier response more resonance um and then from there it's like okay now now that we've ironed ironed that those big things out now we can start getting into the minutia what happens if we uh, if we treat the metal this way versus that way how does that change its response does that get you closer to your ideal sound or or not you know it's it's the constant eye doctor test you know or coke or pepsi this or this is it better or worse better or worse and i i basically want an unlimited supply of of uh, of time and money to to be able to conduct r&d until the day that i die you know to work with sexier materials to to work with sexier um processes for for manufacturing and and uh and and you know just all of those things to the for the the purpose of making our lives easier that's that's really no bullshit and and it may be my uh, our marketing 
kind of fra our catchphrase, you know, that, that it's lotus trumpets are easier and mouthpieces are easier to play. That's no bullshit. You know, they're, they're, and I can back it up with, with, uh, with, with testing. You know, I can back it up with acoustic physics reports and, and things, you know, that, that uh, although I'm not going to because that makes it too much easier for, you know, all, the, all the, that much easier for other companies to, you know, piggyback off of our, off of our hard-earned knowledge. But, um, but there's, uh, it's, it's always to make things easier. And, uh, and so that's, that's why I got into this. And, and that wasn't even a very easy road in the first place because uh, my first business partner completely fucked me over and that had to reset the, the process of, of, of getting things up and running. Um, and and uh, now I love where we're at. It's one of those op examples of, you know, stressful situations can be growth opportunities if you're, if you're open to it. Um, right. I got, I got a, a lifetime's worth of, of business uh, lessons by having gotten fucked over and and realizing so many more things that you know that I should have should have done you know that would have been wise to do to protect myself and the brand and the and the intellectual property and all that stuff so um but yeah this is absolutely a labor of love and and the fact that I gave up but basically I I could be making a lot more money now if I just said yes to every gig that the gig offer that comes my way I don't have an agent or anybody working for me but but I get I get I get a lot of requests and for most things it's like yeah sorry no nah, I no um you know if it's if I've already kind of made the rounds in that in that world and it's like it's just yet another um you know, distraction from what I'm really looking to focus on, then, then at this point I just say no. And, and, and also I could clean up teaching private lessons, uh, but I'm not looking to do that either. So I take my measly, like, you know, 1500 bucks a month salary from, from Lotus. And I live cheaper now than I've ever lived in my entire life. My rent is lower than it's ever been. And I, uh, and I keep my, keep my existence real sparse, um, so that I can, because I prioritize time more than, more than profit, more than money. So, Right. So that's really where it's at is, is this is, this is all about this whole, pro, you know, uh, and what I'm engaging in right now is, is just R and D out the wazoo. It's just, it's a shitload of time spent playing this and that and this and that and back and forth. And at the end of the month, you know, I'm making less than any other trumpet player in my weight class. I'm sure of it, you know, and, right. and, uh, and that's fine with me. That's because that's not what this, you know, I'm not trying to I'm not trying to get rich. There's a, what is it? Um, Monette had a had a really great um, quote, a really nice story that, um, that that he's got from Doc Severinsen. Doc said, you know, you want to know how to make a million bucks selling trumpets? Start with three million bucks. You know, so it's, yeah. it's not a, you know. Uh, yeah. Well, you know, it is a labor of love and and, uh, you know, there's it's altruistic in one way. It's selfish in another because you get the be the kid in the candy store, you know, oh, you get I this. love it. Right. When selfishness yeah. and altruism are, are, you know, two sides of the same coin. It's wonderful. Have your cake yeah. and eat it too. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, here's what we're going to do now. We're going to uh, shift over to, uh, something. This is a, a standard part of this podcast. It's something I call the speed studies. Cool. And, uh, the speed studies are, uh, just a, it's a lightning round, you know, I'm going to throw you a bunch of different questions. They're going to go all over the place. You don't know where they're going to end up. So I love it. Give me your best answer. All right, here we go. Starting out, who was your biggest influence other than a trumpet player? My mom. Yeah. Straight up. What's your favorite book? Don't have one. Don't have a favorite anything. Mm, okay. What's the worst movie you've ever seen? Uh, oh, pressure. Uh, 
I don't know. That stuff just goes like, you know, my, my short-term memory bank doesn't, or long-term bank doesn't even hold on to that shit. <laughs> okay. All right. If you weren't a trumpet player, what would you be? <laughs> I'm horrible at these because there's no short answer to anything. <laughs> um, I don't know because I think our life path unfolds before us due to a large number of circumstances that we can't even really predict until they've happened. And then it for I could become I could become a chef. I could become a yoga instructor. I could become a brain surgeon. It totally depends on uh, a path being laid out before me that never materialized because I'm a because I'm a musician. Or what would you want to be? Oh, you know. Okay. Since since you specified trumpet player, I would simply say. Another type of musician. <laughs> okay. All right. Good. What's your favorite drink? Don't have a favorite anything. You could ask me what's my favorite tea, and I would you know and any and I wouldn't have an answer to that. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, you could have a dinner party. Yeah. And at the dinner party, you could invite any three living people. Uh huh. Who would they be? I would need at least a week to think to thought to thought experiment that one through. You know, it would I would try to bring together, you know, uh, I would think uh, who who's the most appropriate and important world leader or most influential speaker? Who's got the money to back it up? You know, what can we cuz if I could have the three, you know, any three people, I would trust I would try to take the opportunity to to help as many, you know, to, to really like it would, there would definitely be an NGO being formed. You know, there would definitely be something like really big scale, um, you know, whether it's something like Habitat for Humanity, or, you know, something about, uh, you know, it would, it would be a global thing. So it might be say Bill Gates and, and, uh, and, and Barack Obama and, you know, Oprah Winfrey or something, you know, or something I, 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 I don't know. I, I would need at least a week to figure that out. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, well, if you could do the same thing with uh, any three dead people, people from history. Um, well, again, three it, weeks for that. Yeah. Three. Well, I mean, for, so for every, for me, everything, everything starts. And I guess what, what these, this lightning round is, is exposing is that for me, there's, there's a fractal thought process and it starts with the big why to what end. Uh, and if it's, if it's for my own education, that's a different, that's a very, that would be a, three very different people than for, or, you know, just for my own grat gratification, that would be very different than, um, you know, for, for the purpose of, of trying to help humanity, you know, to the greatest level possible. So, uh, you know, maybe just we'll say the three most, three, three of the most interesting people that I, that I would love to meet. Um, Abraham Lincoln would be a, a huge one. You know, I can't think of a stronger case study for, uh, you know, overcoming failure. Um, uh, I'd really, I'd really, really love to have known Duke Ellington, uh, really. Um, and, uh, ooh, third one would be, um, <laughs> I would have loved to have hung out with George Carlin. <laughs> it's just, it's just a random, I mean, you know, none of these are that, you know, I could have easily said, you know, the Buddha, Jesus Christ and, you know, whatever. Yeah, you know, exactly. But it's. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Uh, I'm going to skip the next couple because they have to do with favorite. Oh, bring uh, it on anyway. Maybe, maybe, yeah. maybe I can give you. I can narrow down three. Okay. Uh, how about this one? What's your favorite quote? <laughs> I definitely don't have a favorite. See, quote. You don't have a favorite. But it, it could be. It could be. You know, I, I could throw out three. Be the change you wish to see in the world. Um, you know. Uh, <sighs> hmm. 
No, I can't give you, I can't give you three. Yeah, yeah. Yep, there you go. Okay, uh, you could only have one superpower. What would it be? If it were somehow, you know, fantasy imitating real life, it would be for, I think it would be to, it would be related to hearing, to listening, to being able to, for instance, you know, hear someone's inner dialogue instead of, you know, the, 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 the verbal diarrhea that's spilling out of their mouths, to really, to be able to, to hear their, their actual truth, you know, because I, I think I could, I could angle that one to, you know, for, for everybody's benefit. Very yeah. Good. All right. What aspect of trumpet playing do you think is the most overrated? Freedom from it entirely. You know, the ability to put the fucking horn down for a week or two or whatever, you know, to not be enslaved to to routine. Uh, you know, and I could I could follow up with that and say, well, there there are obviously uh, in in some way a routine is necessary to achieve greatness, but uh, you know, so but that's all in the asterisks, that's all in the in the small print. But basically, it would be uh, to divorce yourself, for, to separate yourself from the idea that you have to be a slave to the instrument and a slave to a particular routine in order to achieve your goals. Okay, uh, what do you think is the most underrated aspect of playing? Wait, I thought that was the... No, that was, that was uh, I meant to say, the first one should have been overrated. So that would be the underrated. So what do you think that was overrated? Yeah, overrated range. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, and, and uh, I mean, so many people are, are impressed by, by something that's musically juvenile, you know, just because it involves a high note, whereas they don't give two shits about something that is as, as deep as the ocean. But, you know, it never made it above the staff, so it didn't really connect with them. Right. Good. All right. Uh, you're able to go back in time and give your younger self uh, one piece of advice about music. What would it be? About music? Um, hmm. Learn to play the fucking piano, like for real. <laughs> just just you know, like, get it done early figure it out like you know because the rest i mean i feel like it, a younger version of me was always going to end up here anyway it's just the big difference between where i'm at now and where i wish that i could have been you know where i would like to have been would you know it would yeah. be that yeah i get you i mean i i i feel like uh i'm where i'm supposed to be right now based on all my experiences but Man, you know, there's there's some shortcuts, not some shortcuts, but there's a lot of obstacles I could have avoided along the way. So um, what advice would you give yourself, your younger self, about life? Um, knowing now what I do and, and uh, being being able to look back retrospectively on on uh, on my various uh, loving relationships, I would I would say I would say to my younger self. If you can feel, if you can really sense that something's not working, that's really not, that you're that the partner that you're with is is not who you really want to be with, but you're there out of some stoic, uh, you know, need to just stay in it, you know, like whether it's for them or for you know just because you're in too deep, you know, in for a penny, in for a pound. Like there's there's I would tell my younger self. Um, you know, although at this point I have no regrets and everything is a learning experience and all that, and I like where I'm at, but nonetheless, I feel like I could have, I, 
I pretty much learned those lessons several years before the termination of several relationships. You know, I think I would I would advise my encourage my younger self to really follow my heart, not not uh, it, more so than a sense of responsibility to a to a beaten path that I'm you know just staying on. So I would just say, you know, if you're not feeling it, move on. You you know find find where you really resonate, where you really feel comfortable. You know. Yeah. Okay. Well, great. Well, Adam, I really enjoy talking to you, man. I, I love talking to you, and I mean, we could talk for days, um, for lifetimes. Yeah. But uh, you know, unfortunately, we have to call this one to an end. So, uh, if people want to find out more about what you're doing, where's the best place to go? Huh. Uh, I guess at this point, Facebook and and, and Instagram. Um, because at least we're, we're, we're getting some stuff up there. Not as much right now because there's not much news fit to print, you know, <laughs> no gigs. Um, we, we need, there's a need to stay tight lipped about, you know, new upcoming developments and stuff. But, but, um, I'm making it a point to, to, to get, to get the word out there on, on social media when, when stuff is, is happening for sure. Okay. All right. And, uh, the, uh, the Lotus website, that URL is? LotusTrumpets.com. Okay. It's a it's a pretty shitty website right now, but uh, one of those things that's in the works. You know, there'll be a new a new one coming soon. <laughs> All right, fantastic. Well, I'm looking forward to uh, seeing what you got working, and uh, actually, I, I can't wait for the next time I can actually see you in person and try one of those horns out. I'm, I, I really want to do that. So, Adam, once again, thanks for your time. Uh, best wishes to you, man. I love you. Thank you. And um, let's let's do it again. Yeah, let's, let's do it again. Let's do it again. All right. So for those of you who joined us, thank you very much for giving us your time. And as always, peace and slide grease. We are out. <laughs> hey, thank you so much for hanging with us today. This podcast is all about creating connection through our mutual love for the trumpet life. I hope that you learned a few things about today's guest and had some laughs along the way. Don't forget to give us a review. We love those five-star ratings. And please share this podcast with your friends. We want to see our hang grow for show. Have a suggestion for a future topic or a guest? Hit me up at thetrumpetgurus at gmail.com. Our opening theme was written and performed by Lexi Signor, and all other music comes courtesy of The Greatest Funeral Ever. So in the words of W.C. Handy, life is like a trumpet. If you don't put anything into it, you don't get anything out. So go out there and let your trumpet sound. And I'll see you at the next hang.